Welcome to Getting Apps Done, a mostly non-technical podcast with the goal of helping you deliver software with your hosts, Joshua Graham and Kel Piffner. Okay, um, so today what I wanted to talk about is something that came up in the Slack channel. Uh, somebody asked a question or I particularly brought up a uh, subject that is important to them and it's an important subject to a lot of different people. They phrased it as frustration, but it's actually this concept that, uh, in fact, it's quite well known. It's called imposter syndrome. And they were talking about specifically, am I smart enough for this? Talking about software development. And I think that's a really important thing to discuss and be aware of because even at a senior level, I can personally vouch that imposter syndrome is still an everyday part of my life. So I think it's very important to talk about it and to be aware of it and be open about it. So yeah, I actually don't really think of it that way myself. I think of it as frustration. <laughs> so the very first statement there. Um, yeah, for me, it is much more of a like how I deal with the frustration of development. And that's something I've been noticing uh, teaching new folks to code lately is that the way you approach that frustration can be very different because especially if you're learning to code and you're starting to code and this is part of like your job and you're worried about keeping that job, that becomes a, a lot of pressure to do really great right off the bat. While it kind of makes folks worry about things that are just kind of normal day-to-day -day tr troubles. Like coding is very much a constant challenge. It's you know a new puzzle every single day and you won't get it every single time. It's back and forth and arguing with it and, and fighting the code and you know, all the fun things that go into day-to-day -day life as a developer. And I've noticed that, especially those folks starting out, that that's a, a, a huge struggle to overcome that kind of mind block, that backwards push of, can I do this? Well, I'm going to be able to do this. And instead, really kind of, you know, the goal is to forget all of that and just literally get it done as if there were not uh, huge repercussions waiting if you fail. Absolutely. And I think people are set up to believe that in the first place. I remember when I was in high school a long while ago, teachers telling me, you know, if you want to get into these careers, you need to learn all this stuff. You need to know trigonometry and calculus and all these things that I never, ever use in my career. <laughs> and, and somebody actually mentioned that in the Slack the other day. They were saying, you know, I didn't think I could get a career in development because I, I thought you had to know all this math stuff and I'm not that great in math. No. Uh, okay, yes, I will admit I use some algebra on a pretty frequent basis, mostly just ratios and things like that, simple stuff that I learned, mm -hmm. you know, when I was 12, 13. And I use some geometry because I do a lot of design and, you know, I have to find right angles sometimes. It's about as hard as it gets, realistically. And this is a, mm -hmm. we're in a fairly technical career. Okay, I'm not working on Google algorithms or anything crazy like that. And certainly in some niche parts of software development, it really is important to know your math. But to be honest, those are more math careers than they are software development careers. Very true. And yeah, like the, oh, it's, that's like a whole chat, like a whole conversation all by itself <laughs> there with the, the importance of math or the lack thereof. But um, I'm kind of an oddball in that I have used quite a bit of advanced math because I did um, electronic signatures and I needed to draw things and I needed to be able to analyze them. And all of those things were things I learned after the fact. Like I had to go bring open examples and do it into programming and even translating the actual math on like how you how you can analyze those things was 
more or less relearning it. Like he didn't have to be good at it in the first place. And yeah, I didn't have to learn all of these other subjects to get just that chunk of it that I wanted. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's easier than you think it is when it comes down to it. Uh, games, building games was another one. I just, I thought, oh my, all that 3D stuff and it's going to be really complex. And there is some more math in that than there is in a lot of the development that I do on a daily basis. But the reality is it was broken up into chunks. I was figuring out and learning new chunks as I went along. It wasn't just suddenly, oh my God, I need to know all of calculus and advanced geometry. And no, it was a little <laughs> bit here and there with the way it should be. And you do learn it and you will get through it. And the reality is I will go out on a limb and say every single person on this planet can learn those things. They may not be <laughs> properly motivated. They may not want to, but they can. And you can too. Yeah, I find motivation is a huge thing. And like, there's all this pressure not to fail but there isn't always a matching pressure to just do things because you want to do it or because you know there's a goal that you're going to achieve a lot of times it's you will be punished if you don't succeed yeah which is not a very good motivator as we have discussed many times absolutely and so that 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 paranoia of it though kind of creates this this downward pressure that keeps you from just being able to tackle a problem without worrying about the failure and especially in programming like failure is kind of like a constant fact of life that's that's what your compiler does every time it tosses a red <laughs> line under what you wrote right it's yelling at you because you have failed and that's that's normal feedback's great failure or success is is great feedback and you know safe safe feedback is very important that's another way though that we kind of are set up to believe it's harder than we think it is because I certainly remember the first few times that I tried to compile something and I got these horrific, ugly errors that just <laughs> null pointers and things. That, if you don't know what a null pointer is, it sounds scary as hell. And it was. And I thought, oh my God, I'm never going to figure out. Today, a null pointer, oh, oh shoot. And it's, it's just, it is what it is. It's what I do. It's part of life because I, I know exactly what it is, what it means. I know how to go find it, and it's not a big deal. But certainly early on, when I saw something like that, it was a big, it was literally in big red bold text telling me, you screwed up. You suck. <laughs> and it, it can be really daunting straight off. And then you move yeah. on to getting a career, and you start to look at... Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about the sorts of things that they're seeing on these job specs and you know, a huge list of requirements for entry-level positions that basically I'm looking at these and I'm thinking, well, crap, I don't know half of that. There's no way they expect you to know half of that. If you know half of that, you're probably well overqualified and you shouldn't be getting that job anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's... What, what you actually need to know is definitely a challenge with programming because... Like we just discussed, like what experiences have you found and you know the solutions to that, that when you're presented to the, with that same failure, do you know how to fix it already is kind of what people are really wanting to find out. Like how many of these problem situations have you already dealt with and you know what to do in those cases? Yeah. And people are really bad at guessing which ones of those are important, um, especially when it goes through, you know, a few layers of HR, a few layers of managers, a few layers of, you know, whatever it is that you want to put on your job posting, then the interviews, then the, yeah, you end up with a lot of like arbitrary filters. It's very much like, have you passed trig, but you don't, you needed like one day's worth of lecture of trigonometry for whatever project you're working on. You probably didn't need an entire, you know, two years of of trig and pre-trig to know how to do whatever it is that one thing is. Oh, which is absolutely a valid point. I, I hadn't even kind of, I had thought of this before, uh, particularly when I'm writing uh, job specs and trying to identify the things that 
I need people to have some exposure to, but say it in a way that while it is a requirement, they understand. I don't actually want you to be a, an expert in React. I need you to have some knowledge of it and I need you to have some awareness of it. Mm -hmm. But if you have been doing Angular for the past five years and you're an Angular guru and you've had some awareness of React as well, that's plenty good enough. That's fine for me. That will be fine. Yeah, but and in all fairness, writing a job spec for that is difficult because obviously you don't want to put that under a required section because suddenly people are going to start thinking, oh, well, I, I must, I, I'll have to be an expert in that. I don't qualify for this at all. When actually I, what I really want to write down is I want you to have some knowledge of React. I don't want you to have just read one blog post about it. I'd like you to have some hands-on experience. With it. But it starts to turn into this whole paragraph, and I have to have one of these for each and every single thing I want to put under the required yes. section, and I can't do that. First off, I don't want to write that much for job posting. And second, it's going to get butchered the first time an agency picks it up, and they're just going to say, eh, he said React. That's required. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it is really a challenge too, because really what we're looking for is how long will it take me to train this new person to be useful immediately? Is like really the key metric here is how much do I have to invest into them? Yeah. And kind of like finding that match where they don't have to invest that much. I don't have to invest that much. Like we're useful to each other right off the bat is always the, the kind of matchmaking goal with uh, job postings. And that's such a huge challenge depending on your own requirements, their skill sets, how much, like how, how big is your company? Do you have loads of resources to train people? Because at some point, you know, pretty much anybody can be trained to fit a role if they have the, you know, they have motivation to do it. Yeah, spot on. Uh, and uh, that is a big factor and it is, particularly when I'm hiring, I, we aren't a huge company. We don't have enough overhead is the key thing there to pick up somebody who has no idea how to program. So we had to have somebody who has a certain idea. We're also a fully remote company. And this is another thing that I mentioned to somebody today um, because I've, I'm currently hiring for a remote developer position and it's relatively, I wouldn't say it's entry level, but it's not too far beyond. But the key thing is, a lot of people who are looking for entry-level positions need a huge support group mm -hmm. around them. They need a team around them to mentor them, to train them, to teach them, and help them with those day-to-day -day things. And remote working, as we said in our remote working episode, isn't necessarily the most conducive environment for that. Because you can't just tap yeah. the next guy and have him quickly look at your screen and say, uh, yeah, don't do that. It's a little bit more difficult. You have to plan around those things. And while it's possible, particularly in a small company, it's quite difficult because it's more time consuming. Exactly. And that, that time expenditure is really the challenge. Like how much time can you invest in these folks? How much time can you invest in bringing a junior developer up to speed and being useful? How much can they like? Yeah, and working remote just adds one extra layer to all of that, one extra complication that you would hope to be able to avoid, but it is a little difficult. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it is a challenge. That kind of leads into another piece that, again, is reiterating basically this concept that maybe you're not good enough because I have to reject these people. Uh, it's not that I don't think they can learn it. It's not that I don't think they're good enough. In fact, I am absolutely certain every single one of them with the right motivation could pick <laughs> it up and could be really useful and could be of huge benefit to the company. It's not actually about them. And I know this is horribly cliche. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about me. Uh, and it really is in this case because at the moment, I don't have the capacity to bring somebody who's at that level on and help them however much I would love to and however much I have every faith that they can that is actually a problem 
with me and I'm going to have to reject them and that person is going to have another rejection. They may have sent 30 of these out, run into 25 people like me who I have right. no problem with them. I think they are perfectly capable of doing it, but I'm not in a position to help them get there. And that's reinforcing yeah. that concept that they're not good enough, that they're not smart enough. And that's completely wrong. That's not what it is at all. Exactly. I've been I've been talking to it as a numbers game very much lately. It's it's very much finding that perfect match, and it's kind of a stats problem at this point of just putting yourself out there more, but also just being prepared for the compiler to fail, but compared for the red line. Like that should just be your expectation, and yeah. your goal should be to be increasing. You know, change that percentage from five percent good to six or seven percent chance. Like do what you can to increase your chances without being like consumed over that success, like consumed over getting it you know, getting that perfect job right off the bat. And that's not the most optimal answer to this because obviously a job isn't just about what you can do and what you can help for them, but also about, you know, food, shelter, all those, all those great things. And so yeah. this isn't the best conversation to have, but that is kind of where things are at. It is. And that's another thing that just adds to those fears because the reality is if you're at all on the fence, you think, eh, maybe I'm good enough. Uh, maybe I'm smart enough. Mm -hmm. But then you're thinking, but am I good enough? Am I, am I smart enough to pay my bills doing this? It's just another one of those things that it pushes a lot of people over that edge. Okay, but you know what? Maybe I'm just not good enough to do that. And again, it's it's not true. And it's Kel, definitely not true. Kel is absolutely <laughs> right. It is a numbers game. And the reality is if you've got a 5% chance, while that sounds terrible, the reality is if you send out 100 CVs, that's five of them that are going to respond. That's... Uh, yeah, that's a lot of hunting and it is a lot of sending these out, but it's kind of what you have to do the first one. It sucks. It is what it is. But the reality is if you do get one of those five and they do turn out to be decent enough and you get a year under your belt with them, the next time your chance is going to skyrocket because it goes from being 5% to suddenly 25% are in a position where they can bring you on, they can train you, they can bring you up to speed. Exactly. It increases the percentage of folks who could hire you in the places where you could be useful right off the bat. So yeah, the first the first job is definitely the most difficult. And I think most people are pretty aware of that, that you know your first, your first entry level position is by far the most challenging to get and most challenging to keep and the most where you have to learn the most all at once that sort of thing um but again it's not yeah. about you it's about that particular situation <laughs> and position you are absolutely smart enough to do this mm -hmm. you are good enough to do this and uh, there's no reason for you to doubt that at all just go out and do it because mm -hmm. you can and you will if you're willing to do it yeah and kind of going back to our original we were talking about frustrations with things i was really surprised the first time a new programmer told me that they felt anxiety when their compiler showed all the red marks <laughs> uh, and when it threw an error message because that was something I never really experienced because I learned to program you know in the middle of nowhere on my own without any real feedback so there was never any like danger or pressure to succeed right off the bat like if it didn't work oh well I'll go play a video game um, but <laughs> so that was a surprise to me but <laughs> the the thing I try to get folks to, to think about is that it's not it's not necessarily can you solve the problem because th the answer is absolutely yes, you can solve the problem. What you should be getting a feel for, though, is how long it takes you to solve these problems because that'll be your fact of life as a developer is you're always going to have problems. They're always Nothing is ever going to be like a set in stone route to success. It's going to be how do I fix this thing today? 
and getting a feel for how long things will take you most likely is probably the most useful thing you can kind of ingrain to yourself because then it won't be oh can i do this at all it'll be ah, can i do this in a week that's probably pushing it i might need to like mm. and that can also kind of boost your confidence of oh i absolutely could get that done in two weeks it's kind of a, a continuation of the the thing I've always heard here in every single interview I've ever had, where I ask a question and they don't know the answer. And the first thing they'll say is, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Like that's the correct mindset. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the default programmer mindset, right? Right. It's, I'm sure I can figure it out. I've figured out all of this other stuff to get this far. Um, so why not this one more thing? And it's the kind of the same back from my point of view. It's, yeah, but can you figure it out in a month? Because that's when I need you to know it. <laughs> yeah. And you're absolutely right. That's the default position for developers. Most of us are in this because we like to solve problems. We like to figure out that next piece. We like to do puzzles. Mm -hmm. We like to work these things out. And that's exactly what uh, somebody who's hiring is looking for. It, it really is about whether we can get you up to a position where you can start to solve those puzzles and those problems in time that it's going to be useful mm -hmm. to us now the other thing to keep in mind here though is it's not unique to new developers i absolutely to this day there are sometimes times that i look at something new and i'm thinking really I, am i gonna and not necessarily I, at some stage you do start to get the experience enough that you understand yeah i've done this a hundred times before and every time i've done it so there's no reason i'm not going to this time but you start to wonder, am I going to be able to do it quickly enough that it's going to be useful this time? Or should I just stick with what I know? And uh, sometimes it causes you to leave yourself behind, even as a more advanced developer, because of that fear of that worry that, um, am I smart enough? Can I figure this out quickly enough? And you're never alone. We're all in it. We're all doing the same thing every single day. I would say, though, that the day-to-day -day frustrations become more normal. The yeah. yelling at code, the silly documentation, the bad framework architectures, the just the normal day-to-day -day stuff, especially that you struggle at at new, when you're brand new. That never gets any better, but you get used to it. That becomes part of the expectation. And you will be just as frustrated, but you won't be worried about that frustration because that's a normal frustration. That's, that's just, oh, it's that silly thing over again. And you learn to deal with it and you learn you know, ways to mitigate that. And so the frustration does get better, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, saying in running that I always equate to programming when it comes down to it. Uh, they say running never gets easier. It just gets faster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that's a lot of what it is. I don't think if you're really pushing yourself that software development ever really gets easier, certain aspects of it will get easier, but then you start to add more complications and you add more stuff and it's still just as hard. But I do think one part that is directly related and what helps you get through it is it does get easier to believe in yourself, to believe that you are capable of doing it because you have the experience. You know you have. It's the same with running. The first time you go out for a run, you really don't think you can do it. After several <laughs> years of running, you start to realize, yeah, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. It's, I can handle a mile. It'll be fine. Yeah, it seems yeah. daunting at first, and it's eventually not as daunting. <laughs> it is absolutely the same. That first time, you know, the first time I went out running, I probably made it about 200 yards and then collapsed on the floor. <laughs> and the next time I made it about 400 yards. And eventually over time, it was miles. And if I can do a mile, well, I can do two. And if I can do two, uh, yeah, sure, I can so do a 5K. Most people, and 
I'd say most people stop after a couple miles, though. You, you just keep adding more. You never quite seem to learn that you can stop now. It's fine. <laughs> well, you know, when the zombies come, it won't be me. They're eating. Endurance. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right. I guess that's your wrap up. I should apologize for the mic. I'm on a uh, borrowed headset today, so audio quality might not be quite up to par from our normal episodes well you're out teaching new developers that's a pretty important thing so i think we can forgive you a little bit of poor audio quality today just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) all right all right i will put some transcripts up at gettingappsdone.com please be sure to check out my website at joshuagram.info and kel's website at piffner.com If you are worried about software development or you're on the fence or you're in a boot camp and you're not sure if you can get through it, please drop us a note. Let us know. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you and encourage you and prove to you that you absolutely are smart enough. You are good enough to do this and you are going to be a really good developer one day.